This podcast is brought to you by Hello Future. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, expand your patent portfolio, create amazing new profitable products and services, or effectively project manage to market? Then contact us today, hellofuture.co, and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and uh, what you're passionate about. Thanks, Chris. Um, so... My name is Stephen Latonin. Uh, I actually, exactly a year ago uh, this week, uh, launched uh, a company called Caspa. Mm. It is a growth consultancy. Um, I'm the managing partner and um, have a, a great team of, of folks that we've been working with to serve our clients to help them grow their companies. Um, clients typically come to Caspa when they're trying to do a few different things, obviously growth. Um, in the name, actually, the the name Kasva. People ask me, well, "What the heck is that?" It's uh, it's actually Finnish, uh, the Finnish word for grow, uh, which is oh, an homage cool. to my yeah. My last name is Finnish, so um, picked nice. A, Can you speak any Finnish? I used to work with Finns. I, all the I time. only speak Kasva. That's the only word I know in Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad Finn. Um, yeah. So so clients call us when they're trying to do a few different things to turbocharge their growth. Um, one is just straight up sales and marketing. So if you have a typically a, a founder who's trying to transition from founder-led sales to really enterprise or system scalable sales where the, 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 the movement is happening because of systems that are in place, obviously right. there, there's going to be sales resources, whatever, but mm -hmm. we're going to have, we're going to work with their sales resources. We're going to work with their marketing team. And really it's, it's everything from the, the marketing, the brand identity, all the way to helping them close business. So that's, that's a common common thread, yeah. And then another one is, uh, this one's typically more with established companies, although you get brand new businesses that call us, but it's essentially go-to-market strategy. So um, how do we bring this stuff to the world? Um, and oftentimes that's a you know maybe a, a, a country that's uh, international, that's looking to enter the US uh, or vice versa, and a US company looking to go international. Um, it could be um, just a new product, um, you know, and we'll, we'll work with, um, innovators in, in that, that can really help with the product creation on the sort of design side, but also will come in and really think about the, the execution of, of how to actually roll this out and look at sales partners and distrib distributors, that sort of thing. Um, and a final one is just, just chief XO, you know, CXO kind of work. So um, typically uh, marketing, like I mentioned, or, or finance, where they really need someone to come in and just provide that heft. Um, and, and then the other kind of layer that we'll provide there is strategy overall to try to help with the, again, growth. Um, and I guess a final, final one is corporate development. So a couple of clients have us specifically helping them to uh, think about their capital raise or acquisition M&A strategy. So whether that's through uh, partnerships or looking at other um, types of opportunities. We have a client that just signed us uh, last week that 
um, we're helping them to uh, do a roll up. They have they just launched. They have organic business of a two million run rate, but they're thinking how do we incorporate other partners in the world and, and try to get to a, a really nice valuation quickly through through inorganic growth. Excellent. And what yeah. you're passionate about. Is passion. it your company or are you passionate of the other things you're passionate about? I am passionate about a lot of things. Um, I, I gave a TED talk on on this idea of passion, actually, uh, specifically oh, nice. within within education. Nice. Um, yeah. So um, I at the time, I as an entrepreneur, I had a couple different runs of entrepreneurship. Um, at the time, I had, I had started a, a nonprofit in in after school education. Mm. Um, so what, what it was, was we actually um, were a uh, training ground for aspiring teachers. So folks that were either uh, just graduated or maybe even in college and they wanted to go into uh, the teaching careers, uh, what we did was um, place them in after school programs to teach their passion, whatever they wanted. So they could teach, oh, interesting. you know, one guy taught bicycle maintenance, another person taught art and dance and uh, all kinds of fun stuff, crafting, whatever. And, and, the, and the reason why we did that was one, when, when someone's coming from a place of passion, it's a lot easier. The content, you've kind of negated that part, which is like, how do I, what's the best way to teach algebra? Well, if I love algebra, it's just going to come out, right? Yeah. The, and so what we did then was focused for these young teachers on the craft and classroom mm -hmm. management, making sure that they were able to communicate and that they were really focusing their lesson plan. So we gave lesson plan review. We had uh, expert teachers come into the classroom and give them feedback. And, you know, the notion there is just that teaching is hard and that you... Um, it, it's 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 better to fail early so that you can succeed sooner, right? I think that's right. the idea idea line, right? So it, it, that same idea of how do we get teachers in a position where they can fail in an environment where the stakes are a little bit lower because it's after school and you know it, it's an enrichment activity. So that 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 was that model. It's called breakaway education. So yeah, right. so that was all. On, so I, I gave this talk on passion. I love I love the the, the, the conversation of passion. I love that you bring that up at the top. Um, I um, have now, um, I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about uh, my two daughters and um, the, the woman I'm married to. And um, I'm passionate about stand-up comedy, which is a weird thing. That's, that's why I have this microphone here is because during the quarantine, we did uh, Zoom mics uh, to, to keep ourselves from uh, uh, losing our minds. Nice. Uh, but I, I've been back out there now, um, hopefully uh, uh, going to be um, soon. Uh, uh, getting the uh, the Delta variant and through all my my comedy uh, clubs that I've been hanging out at, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so yeah. So we're 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 uh, I, I love I love comedy and I, I think that's a, a funny connection point. But um, for me, you know, you got the day job, you got comedy. Both those things for me, it's about bringing joy to people's lives. And mm -hmm. so when I work with small business entrepreneurs, when I work with um, you know new new startups. This is the thing that matters more to them than anything in the world, except their family, hopefully, yep. <laughs> and, and, and maybe their God if they're religious, right? Yep. Like, but basically, this is the number one thing. And so yep. that's a precious thing that we get to do uh, as consultants is to help them with, with that, um, you know, taking that, that forward and helping them grow that. So I, I consider that the, 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 the reason for that, my mission is to bring them joy in their life so they can make more people happy with their products and services. Right. In the same way with comedy, I mean, there's nothing, I, one of my greatest joys in the world is just to be in a dark room and then just see someone just like flicker their eyes and, ha you know, and, and see for a second, just joy come across their face. You know, it's just one of the greatest, greatest feelings. So yeah. I love it. I love it. It's my passion. So so how did you get how did you get into this? I mean, did you have a day job? Like, were you an employee at some company doing marketing, or what made you decide to do your own thing? 
do my own thing. So I, for the last five years, and I still work closely with a, a company called Growthink. So Growthink is a similar consultancy. Um, they focus um, heavily on investment banking as well, Growthink Capital. Um, so they they work with s- similar type companies um, to help them with capital raise, Series A typically, Series B, and then M&A exit ac- opportunities. So um, my role there is to, I head up their innovation practice. So very similar type stuff of helping clients that are looking typically within the lens of, of some sort of capital raise mm-hmm. um, or an exit uh, planning is that we're thinking, how do we help them get to that next milestone threshold so that they can um, better accelerate their, their, their corporate development needs. Um, and so um, in doing that, I was able to continue you know, working with them um, and, and then now, now launching, uh, now launching Cospa. Yeah. Uh, before that, I've, I've, I've basically been in consulting or entrepreneurship, one, one or the two, or now both, right? Um, in, in, in every kind of move that I've, I've had. So a lot of, lot of time in client services, just again, stems out of that, that personal mission. Um, but also, um, you know, doing, doing startup stuff. So I've, I've helped, mm-hmm. uh, I've helped startups, uh, with their business developments in direct sales for tech startups and just, something i love well what is it about startups that draws you to them like what what is it that that pulls you in yeah um <laughs> have you ever yeah. i mean have you had the full-time job for some big company or something like <laughs> yeah, that? yeah i've worked it i've worked at some bigger companies and i i i never really i, I didn't last that long there to be honest with you <laughs> yeah, yeah. i know I there's a particular I, mindset right you're gonna yeah, like I, oh my god i can't you looked at my bio and you said what the box. heck why did this guy work at that place for nine months right so so that, that i think you're getting it which is i mean you're the the inverse of that question of why not a big company and why i like why i'm attracted to to growth firms is that you know there there's this line uh, i forgot his name he was the director of photography what's now called the cinematographer for citizen kane so okay, great, greatest movie on like almost everybody's list of all time. And Orson Welles came in to make this thing, write it, you know, directed it, and 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 started it, of course. And and yeah, no no film experience whatsoever. And he, he hired a bunch of people from radio. He was a radio person. Yeah. And and then he was going around, you know, taking an axe to the floor to put the camera lower in the ground and telling you know. So he was telling the the DP <laughs> what to do. Um, and everyone was kind of mortified because that's not the way it was supposed to go. Like right. the director of photography uh, set up the camera. That was their deal. And yeah. this person, I think, had won Oscars, actually. And, and, uh, and, he, and he was like, no, let them go because you don't know what someone's going to do when they don't know what the rules are. Yeah, that's innovation, man. It's beginner's yeah, mind. <laughs> that's it. That's the whole deal. So for me, I just like people who don't like give a blank and just kind of can just roll with it. I don't know if I don't know. I don't know if this is a family friendly uh, podcast. I want to keep it. <laughs> it is most of the time. <laughs> if, I, if I get if I get into the stand up mode, then I'll, I'll I'll start losing it. Um, I'll, I'll I'll lose your audience. Um, so I'll keep me in check. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I just love people that um, are just doing new things. It's just it's, it's just an exciting place to be. So um, that's that's you know, and then the the inverse of that is when I've worked at the larger companies, I would ask questions and they'd say, "What are you? Just, just shut up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're unemployable. That's where we end up. We end up in yeah, this exactly. unemployable space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So I'm really curious about this. So you work in growth and, and marketing, expanding, uh, you know, people's, uh, you know, revenues, et cetera. When do you know that something is going wrong and you need to change? I mean, how much time do you give something before you, before you decide, well, this isn't working. I got to do something different. Yeah. I mean... It's so funny. Um, 
we're talking about failure maybe at some level. It could be tactical failure that just needs a new direction, or it could just be overall, you know, market product fit failure that is just yeah. this, this, we're trying to do something that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um yeah, so part of the job of the consultant, it's it's a funny thing because to to for us to be successful, I'm gonna take a long walk to get to this answer, but I think we'll get there. So for us to be successful, we have to treat our clients dreams as if they were our dreams mm -hmm. their their passions as if they were our passions and yep. their fears like there are fears mm -hmm. and so when you do that you embody the the client in in the ideal state you embody the client's desires such that you are that you have that same um ambition that they have and uh, we know that entrepreneurship is fueled by relentless optimism now you said oh, yeah you, if i wasn't optimistic i would not be in this business that's that's your your the title that's your that's your title right so you know optimism is what drives entrepreneurship right because most businesses fail and if they looked at the statistics they wouldn't do it but yep. they say no that doesn't apply to me i'm I'm not, the, you know, what is it? Fit, more, I'm, I'm going to be in the 10% that survives or something yeah, like that, right? Yeah. 80% of the people think that they're better than average of whatever category you want to, you know, looks or whatever. So it's like we, we have, we, we don't understand reality and, and entrepreneurs have almost that, that blind like uh, optimism. Now, our job is to have that with them, as I said, as a, as a consultant. But the other thing they hired us for is to be a third party external set of eyes. So when they're going one direction, we go, why? Mm -hmm. What if this? And so it's not just what if like, they've already done the what if for like the market, which is this thing should exist. And so they've, they've done the hard part really. Now what we do is say, what if your direction would go a, you know, a different way? So it's easy as a consultant to say, well, I'm getting paid, so I'm just gonna, Keep, and I don't want to ruffle feathers here, but that's not that's not our job. Our job is to yeah. fundamentally, with with energy and optimism, ruffle feathers on yeah. tactics to make sure that we're approaching things the best yeah. way possible. Yeah. So I don't know. Did I get back to the to question? Did I make it back to the to the to what you not, wanted? Not quite. <laughs> How do you know when it doesn't work? I I, I don't know when you. I don't well, know. See, yes, the, the right answer. I think that that's the right answer there because well, because every situation is different, right? Yeah, but I was gonna say you, just, asking, you see it. It's like it's like yeah. I guess maybe I'm struggling because it's like it's not working because there ain't results. It's, you yeah. know, and so you, you know that the, the hard part, in, and I guess is why I've gravitated to to the the part of the answer is what do you do about it? And I think that what you do about it is you have to take a fresh set of eyes to approach yeah. a new a new pathway. Well, it's kind of like the two. There's two aspects to entrepreneurship. So like it's one, you know, you hear uh, no one's an overnight success, right? So like or there's a 20 year overnight success. So you got to just keep going at it, going at it, going at it, going at it, eventually you'll succeed. And then right. the flip side is that, you know, some people are successful immediately because you, you see, you see things where people have been doing something for 20 years and they get no traction. And then you get other people who get traction within, you know, a few months. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you know when to, when to pivot or to do something different? Yeah. I mean, I think the, this is why I went there. So I was thinking about my own failure with breakaway uh, education, which is that I couldn't find a model 
the, the, it was very hard to find a funding model. I, we, we, we made revenues, but it was going to, it was a nonprofit. And the, the mm -hmm. purpose was to, you know, we were going to generate some uh, fees for service. And there were some grants that were, that were directly applicable to this. Um, but, you know, we knew that it was going to largely be funded through uh, external donations. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get, I never got the, the community in the philanthropic world to, to back it. Um, in a way, I, I mean, I, I don't want to dismiss the, the very generous grants and gifts we did receive, but from a sustainable back it sufficiently back it sufficiently. Yeah, it was insufficient. Yeah. And what my, what I, what I had to realize was to, to take a third party view. So I was never going to admit that this wasn't that it, I had pivoted, you know, eight times to try to get to where I thought it would work. And, it took my wife who had said to me, if you were advising a client on this business, what would you say? And that was then I realized that it, 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 it wasn't worth further investment because I wasn't able to get it through to a place where there was rapid adoption. Like it needed, it needed more scale for it to work. And there's all kinds of reasons for that, but that was the reality. And so I just, I, that's why I said, what, you know, how do you, how do you know it's, it's, it's when you take that third, party kind of objective view. So I think part of the, the, I guess the case I'm making here is that as an entrepreneur, you should never admit defeat, but you need to bring around you a, a panel of people that you trust that will tell you when it is time to, th to throw in the towel and go, go for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise known as bring in the wife. I do that all the time. <laughs> in my, in my case. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's no, time you do, for you, you to get that. a job. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You do need that that uh, that alternative perspective because a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, you've got this you know laser focus on what you're trying to do, and if right. something goes wrong, you're like, oh, you know, forget that, forget that. When you actually should be more opportunistic and go, okay, uh, maybe we should do this because this is this the tiny little feature that everyone loves. Maybe we should just focus on that particular thing. And I think that's where some of the most successful ones come from is that, you know, they've been able to identify the thing that they need to pivot to because it matches yes. the customer desire. And the others are like, oh, I'm just going to continue going on this way because this is my vision. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ultimately it is, you know, how do you know it's, there's no results. What are results? The results are that there's adoption and, you know, customers that are asking for this thing. And so it, in the education world writ large, I wasn't able to get enough of an adoption for what I was doing. And so that same, you know, I had a vision, but the customers had a different one. And I can say they were wrong, right? They were, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's yeah. like, it's like, okay, they're wrong. You're right, but you don't have any customers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, mine's half price, but I'm out today. <laughs> um, so, so you're, I'd really like to know, are there any um, sort of like universal truths in the growth space? Like this will always work. <laughs> is there is there anything like that? Or is it just like seat of the pants, depends on the product, depends on the market, depends on everything. Is there is there anything that you can say, this will this will definitely work, even if it doesn't work a lot, it'll give you like some kind of a some kind of an uplift. Is there is there anything in that world that is like that today? Well, obviously, 
Chris. <laughs> There's no like single tactic. No, no, always... I'm not looking for like a one quick tip or technique. I'm just saying, yeah. is there anything like standardized that works across the board? Like when you well, come up with a new client, do you say, oh, let's try these five things? Right, right. There are there are frameworks that we apply that um, will always work. So the most important, you know, the key to growth is that you have an engaged customer that has enough people that looks like them. Right. And that look, I mean, of course, attitudinally and, and behaviorally would adopt similar actions if given the chance and the, 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 if given the awareness. Right. So you have to build a product that is hyper-focused on that target and then go and find the other people that look like that person and act like that person and, and behave like that person. So that customer centrality is the thing that always works because the customer will tell you exactly what you need to do. And if you follow that customer, they'll lead you to success. I, I think if you go to uh, Nike's headquarters, I'm told in, uh, in Oregon, they have, you know, follow the athlete or listen to the athlete and that's that the product design will come from the 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 person that gets the most benefit from your product um their target that nike's always been focused on target on their, their target demographic um i heard the i might misquote it because it was i think i heard it you know live so i didn't have access to the tape um of, of the guy saying it but it was the global I'm going to mess up his title too, but it was like the glo a global head of, of brand for Nike. This is in business school. And he, he said, almost as an aside, he goes, we have to stay focused at Nike on our target, which is a 16-year-old male urban athlete. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you look around, like we all have Nikes. Everyone's got a Nike. Like yeah. we got something from Nike. Everyone does. I mean... But everybody right. also wants to be a 16 year old urban athlete. <laughs> and exactly. So if you focused on that brand, I'm like, that was about as good as it gets when you were a kid playing sports and you know, that's, that's it. So, so that kind of focus is always the right answer. Now where you see a lot of people miss it is they say, okay, yeah, you know, product, the product, it's all focused around this person, but then they go and message it. Mm. And what do they do? The first thing you see, go to go pick any website. First thing they do on their website is they talk about their product. Yeah. So they lost the customer immediately. It was supposed <laughs> to be about the customer. They said they designed the product about the customer, but then they said, oh, let me tell a story. And the main character of this story is my fidget spinner or my <laughs> iPhone, right? That's my, that's the, the main character is the iPhone. It's never been the iPhone. The main character is the person who uses it. The main character is your customer. Yeah. So when we speak to it, we got to say the, the customer's journey and speak to the value proposition and their, their uh, Clay Christensen, jobs to be done. So what is the yeah. job that they're going to use your product for to achieve progress and that they're going to hire you, hire your product for to achieve progress? That's, that does work every time in the mm -hmm. sense that directionally obviously that's there's the, the tactics that fall out of that are you have to have really great marketing copy that speaks to that customer journey you have to yep. make sure that your product is the available in a way that a customer could actually use it
you need to make sure in your sales process that you don't talk about yourself and your building or your degrees or anything that they don't care about. You talk about them. Yeah. So you were supposed to list, you know, sales is about listening. Sales is about finding what their needs are, right? So at every step of the process, we have to make sure that that customer is the only thing that matters. Yeah. And if we do that, then we will always have success unless we made a mistake somewhere along the way. Like the product isn't actually something the customer wants. Well, yeah. that's again, part of the same framework. Well, do you start, I noticed you mentioned targeting there. Targeting is super important. So, but you can't just target. You have to target and you have to have product and these things have to match. It's like product market fit, right? You go, who exactly am I targeting? And then how, how, so let's thinking about target first, how defined do you need to be? I mean, is it really you like, you got to niche it down to as small a niche as possible and same for the, same for the product. Yeah. Let's, let's make that mistake. And here's why, because most people make the mistake of thinking it's for everybody. And so they never do the work of trying to actually figure out who this thing actually is a fit for. Right. Now, of course, if you own, you know, again, Nike's not selling just to, you know, I, I buy Nike. I, I, I like to go long distance running. I buy the, my shoes every six months. So I, I, I buy Nikes and they're happy to have me. <laughs> they're not complaining. They're not turning my, they're not turning me away. So you got, again, that focus is about making sure that the, the value can spread outward. But when you're a startup, again, if you're for, if you think you're for everyone, you're for no one. So we have to really figure out who's that, that, that group that as long as it's not so niche that they're not significant, they have to, you have to have that immediate addressable market. But then of course, from there, think of logical outflows where you can expand without losing that core audience that you, that got you there. Right. And then do you start with the product or do you start with the target? I think so. It's chicken egg. I, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of your, your, the innovators predilection, right? Because what's important is that you, you, you want to think through multiple aspects of the same thing, right? In comedy, um, this is, you know, you might have a really good joke and then what a, a, a more seasoned comic, when they listen to it, they'll say, that's great. Mine that. And then they talk about mining in comedy, which is you looked at it from this perspective. Well, keep going. Like what, what about this? Or what if you looked at it over there? Or what if, why doesn't it do that? Or take it further, take it to more an absurd, um, you know, uh, kind of conclusion. And and that often doesn't happen when someone goes and they have an experience so and they start with the product where they go you know what what typically people do the the mistake is not starting with product or market the mistake people make is they they start with themselves and they end with themselves so they go to you know they go to a you know a restaurant and they go um you know that table over there doesn't have my table doesn't have salt and pepper and the other table does. And so there should be an app that like solves that problem or I don't know. Like they just have some kind of weird like experience and then they like create a whole company around it. Yeah. Hey, well, Elon Musk does it. Whenever he has a problem, he creates a company around he it. He just like, starts a new, yeah, yeah, he's like, man, I, I got to get from, to right? my house faster. I'm going to create a tunnel. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, so, okay. Yeah. Elon Musk. Great. He does that. You've got to be a billionaire to, to it starts. It, it helps if you have enough money to start. Yeah. So, but really listening is the is the point 
and I, I think one of the big points there is like, okay, we we live as consumers. We don't live as businesses. Yep. So what most people miss is the B two B opportunities that exist because they're just not they're not mining enough. They're they're they see an initial entry point and they're thinking of that as a consumer in terms of a need. But what they really need to do is mine around that problem and then get to the place where it's now a a a, a larger market problem. And typically that's going to happen when businesses have problems. So so. Heretofore, I've been talking about consumer examples like Nike, but what really the better way to do it would be to think about how you know how, what is what is the business case for you know some sort of desire that you you have, and then how do you get businesses because there's there's much more needs, and then they have much more budget than consumers. Right, and in the companies you work with, do you only work with startups? No, so right now I have a. a one, two startups, one, no, three startup, whatever. So it's, it's typically 50, 50. So I've got, I've got about three startups and about three, um, you know, going concerns they have been, you know, around for 20 years or whatever, but they, they typically have a similar need, which is they're acting like a startup. Mm-hmm. So even if they're, if, even if they're larger and bigger or they're, um, you know, they've been around the block and they know what to do. They bring in Cosva because they're like, I need to do this thing that's totally new. So how do we how do we do that in a way that's gonna um, essentially bring new market innovation? So it's, they are a startup. They're just doing it with a basis of of more existing funds. Right, right. So do you, and do you use the same framework for everybody? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the the process is similar, but of course, they, each you know, each group has their own intricacies. You got to figure out. Right. But yeah. For, I mean, frame, consultants work off frameworks, right? Because that's how we can organize our thoughts. But frameworks aren't meant to be um, prescriptions. They're meant to be um, ways of approaching thought so that way we can um, engage in a way that's relevant to the case at hand, the, the client. So how do you how do you market yourself? Like, what, what's your lead generation strategy? How do how do we market at, at Cosma? Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually something I need to, you know, I've been resourcing up to to finally get there, and and so so far this first year has been largely through um, uh, referrals. Um, but you know, it's ironically the work that we do for our clients. I've, I've yet to fully apply to <laughs> to my own company. We've been busy. Um, thankfully been busy. So, um, if one of these clients want to fire me, then I could just work on Mark. <laughs> no, but well, okay, we, we, start, we started then. the process, but it's, it's the same thing. I mean, you gotta, you know, the, with, so you gotta think about how transactional your product is. Um, I, you know, have the least transactional thing, which is that it's like, grow your company. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Growing your company, about wishy-washy messaging, man. You got yeah. Like if that. I send you a message and say, "Hey, do you want to grow your company?" <laughs> you're gonna delete it, or you're gonna like be like, "Yeah, but you know, but why you and what yeah. and yeah, why are you exactly. t- you know?" And so, so to that end, what am I talking about? Is that it's this what marketers talk about is nurturing or top of the funnel, middle of the funnel activities. So you have to be willing. You know, in sales, they say you got to kiss a lot of frogs. Okay, in, in, in <laughs> burn market, some shoe leather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, but it's like that—that's such a negative view on it. Like, maybe you could just be a person and a company that's interested in others, and you do that 
um, by having great conversations with, you know, you and I had a great conversation previous to this, this call, this, this, this podcast. And, you know, you, you try to be open to, to a network that's not your current network, right? So yeah. that's, that's how these things go. Now, you can't scale yourself and your time, but you can scale a lot of digital touch points that aren't that, it's not that they are, um, you, you have to leverage your, your digital presence in a way that gets in front of more people. Mm -hmm. And you can say that, that, you know, there's all kinds of lead generation tactics and, you know, you get an email from someone and it says, Hey, was looking at your LinkedIn profile and just thought, man, <laughs> woo, we got to talk, right? Okay. Well, they probably didn't look at my LinkedIn profile. Some, some bot did or somebody, you know, okay. So you could say that thousands of those messages go out. Uh? <laughs> yeah. You could say it's duplicitous, but I actually think if you're targeting well and you're taking the time to really curate a list, I don't think that's wrong at all. And I think you can actually start a relationship in a digital fashion and, and actually nurture in a digital fashion in a yeah. way that's totally legit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe, um, you know, that I have a relationship with Mookie Betts, you know, the, the right fielder of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, he doesn't know me, but like, <laughs> he probably would love me. And also, I know him, like I know who he is. He's, a, you know, he, he's joy incarnate in, in baseball. And he's just yeah. maybe the best player all um no offense to mike trout you know maybe the best player that's played you know since griffey and it's just it's just a he's a phenomenal specimen to watch and he's on the team that i like and it's great now is that like somehow dishonest of him to like send out instagram posts and do you know no he's just be he's being himself in a larger context now yeah. um what you then have to do in the world of sales he's doesn't need me, so it'll stay at that level. But if you're trying to actually get to like monetization, you know, make making money, then at some point you got to turn the corner. And um, you know, business is and always will be about human beings and people. So at that point, you you got to make yourself available and be fully present for a phone call. And that phone call can be 20 minutes. And if it's a good 20 minutes and you're open, then that could be the source of everything for, for both parties. That's, that's how this business works in terms of lead generation. You got to talk to people. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't just sit behind your, your screen and send out tweets. <laughs> it doesn't work at some point. I mean, you can start that and that's the idea of the nurture, but at some point you got to get them to say, you know what, why don't we talk? Let's just see if the, if, if there might be a fit, if there might be something where we can help each other. Right. And to me, that's, I mean, that's sales and that's the most noble profession on the planet because it's very easy to sit behind your computer and tweet. It's very easy to stand back and be like, ah, they're all just going to say no, or everyone's going to reject me and it's never going to work. But the salesperson, the salesperson steps out into all that chaos and all that potential rejection and says, you know what? I'm willing to get rejected. I'm willing to take the first move. I'm willing to, to be um, made a pariah and 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 have the the horrible um reputation that i clogged your inbox with another email you know i'm so sorry but i'm going to intrude on all that because you know what i know that my company helps people we make people's lives better we bring joy we bring them innovation we help them uh, be better people so they can go back to their families and have better lives with their, their their families that's a good thing to do so i don't have a problem going up to them and saying maybe we should try this it might not work but let's try. 
Yeah, I still I still don't understand how so many companies treat their salespeople so poorly, right? They just give them quotas, they hit the quotas, they give them more quotas, they hit the quotas, and they just keep yeah. driving them and driving them, driving them, and tell them, oh my God, this guy's making too much money. We got to fire him. It's like, hey, yeah. excuse me. <laughs> you go do it then. <laughs> it's the hard, it's the hardest job, but it it is it is the best. I mean, it is it is the influx of, you know, without salespeople, you got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, and when we're talking about this digital versus, you know, physical thing, I mean, that's how, how, how apparent has this been? I don't want to be another cliche on this, but like with, 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 with COVID and everything, like it's so obvious that now this is more than ever the, the time when picking up the phone and talking to someone or, you know, again, safely now showing up and, and 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 meeting someone in person and and being able to form that connection it's just it's everything and mm -hmm. and and salespeople have always been the ones doing that versus hiding back and and and, and shirking in so this, the, that 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 that's the that's the glory of of what salespeople bring and and yet you're right we treat them like it's a transaction yeah. and they're actually the least transactional kind of people around now obviously exactly you know, we know about these, you know, stereotypes. We get the call. It's like, hi, you know, like, and then, okay, that person's being transactional yep. and they, they lost it, but, but sales at its best, of course, is not that at all. Yeah. So, so this is a, something that's, I thought was very interesting is that, so the technology has really not progressed. I mean, there's still ways of communicating yeah. between sort of the supply and demand, but we haven't figured out an easy way to match that up. I mean, that's not, at least in my sense is that that's why my inbox is clogged with messages because, you know, they don't know that there's this, these are things that I don't need right now. Right. I mean, we're in this, in this amazingly technological world where, you know, our devices know everything about us and they know they everything don't know that our, we want. They don't know our needs for, is exactly. it, is it services needs that we don't know? Because you, because you could argue that that's, you know, that, products maybe have have solved that problem a little bit in that we have you know very sophisticated ad technology that's able to find us and of course retarget us and 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 so they're sort of they don't they again it's not need based although if you if you that's that that's i mean google right is that when you when you put out a a query that there's advertisements that are then served based on your query. So that's trying to match that. It's trying to do this thing we're talking about, which is get, you know, match the, the need. That's what Google's kind of organized, right? Was meet, meeting the need with the, the, the service provider. Um, of course, it's the one who paid the most to show up there, not necessarily the best one. Exactly. So that problem, but that's, I mean, that's just a marketplace. I mean, that, that's anything. But with services, it's, you're right. Like, it's very difficult to advertise in a way that doesn't rely on branding or something that's, I mean, which, which is fine. You can, you should do these things, but to really get to the place where like, what's your need and when is your need and how do I find you then? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a company I worked with a long time ago called Fuse Machines. I don't know if you've heard of these guys, but they promised AI based lead generation. So what would happen is you give them like some description of what your company does and they would go out and they would find people who were just about ready to buy yeah. and then send them a set of drip campaigns. And it did not work. <laughs> I, I, thought, I, I, I mean, every one of us have been 
you know, hit up every day by a lead generation company. Yeah. And it's funny, like they don't even work at lead generation yeah. because like <laughs> they're trying to hit me. So sometimes I'll, 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 re I'll reach back out and I'll do it in a way that's a little obscure yeah. to see if they can like, so I'll make the request or the, in, you know, I'll do it in a way that's like, you know, oh, can you text me in 25 minutes or whatever? Like I'll, I'll do something like, like to try to see if they can actually capture that in a way that a human being yeah. would be able to like meld with it and go with it. And of course it's not, it's just, they, it triggers the next trigger or whatever. And that's then right. it's just a bot. It's, it's just a bot. And so you're like, oh, you're not able to get me in a way, you're, whatever technology or thing you're promising isn't doing it right now with me. So there's no way that you can actually be what you're saying you're going to be. Yeah. No, I mean, just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to some technology one day, which is a little more sensitive to that and can actually say, you know what, this, this person would be perfect to, to solve your problem and vice versa. Cause right now I just see, it just feels like the internet is like littered with sales messages that are just mistargeted. And I, I think sometimes Google mistargets on purpose because it brings them more cash, right? If they right, mistarget, if they, if they target perfectly, then supply and demand is met and they don't make any money. But if they target, like if they slightly mistarget, then think of how many more ads are going to be served, right? Anyway, I'm just... <laughs> no, that's right. Perfect information would allow, would enable less transactional, less friction and less, therefore less transaction costs. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to, before we start talking about the future, I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, your um, nonprofit. So you got into that because you were just interested in in doing it, or do you have, have you had an educational background? Or uh, yeah, actually, it's what I did. So I I spent maybe uh, six seven years working in mainly nonprofits um, in New York after my undergrad and before uh, my business degree, and and so it's kind of what I knew. And I went to business school, and that's what I I kind of it, I wrote in my application. I want to start this nonprofit at at uh in my in my application to business schools i probably should have lied and said i wanted to be an investment banker or something <laughs> i would have probably got more interest i think they were like See, this is what happens when you tell the truth man <laughs> yeah you can't do that um so so some thankfully one of them uh uh where it was nice enough to let me in and even uh provided me grant opportunities to pursue it um which was pretty cool that um talking about UCLA. Um, so go Bruins. Nice. Yeah, they just were, they were very supportive of that and, and realized that it kind of takes different minds to do stuff. And, um, uh, they gave me every chance to be successful. I wasn't. And then, uh, now I have a job that pays me money. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they won in the end. I don't know. Well, you're supposed to start, you start supposed to end up with a nonprofit, not start with a nonprofit. I think that was right? what everyone said. They're like, why are you doing this now? Why don't you go like <laughs> make some money first? Um, so that's Do what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm trying to make some right? money now. And then, yeah, that, I, the, the education thing, uh, my wife is an educator. She, she still works in education at ed, ed technology, but she's, she works directly with teachers, um, supporting them using the technology in their classroom. So um, it's still something that we, as a family, live and breathe every day. Obviously, we all do. If you have children, um, which we do, and and so it's it's something we we care a lot about. And and um, you know, redesigning schools is something that I don't think I'm I'm done with. And and rethinking about oh, yeah, how. Tell we, me about it. The education system needs to be disrupted big time. I want a school, Chris. I want a school that that designs their school like Jobs invented this thing. Like that in design yep. this thing. 
yeah. which is that he said at every moment, how do we think about customer centrality, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why would we have two buttons when they could hit the wrong one? Let's give them one button and eventually no buttons, right? Yeah. Now, schools do everything exactly the opposite. And it's easy for me to say, because it's the hardest job in the world, I'm not criticizing anyone, but, but we did the design of the school yeah. Literally the opposite of what a young person would want if they were to design it. It starts at like in the sevens. I don't know a young person who ever wants to get up in the sixes or sevens. That's when they start the thing. So they, they, they're starting off on a great start right there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then they put them all in like rows or whatever. Like they like make them look a certain direction or in some schools they march them around. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I know a lot of kids that love marching, you know, it's like, like so it's their favorite thing <laughs> i think I, you might have had a question that i never let you ask i yeah education is still a very much a, a passion for me but we're not we're not even close to designing things in a way that really thinks about the the, the customer the consumer in this case which is the, the young person the child yeah absolutely absolutely all right so let's start talking let's let's do the think like a futurist so it's the year 2031 so what's the world going to be like what's sales going to be like what's growth going to be like and uh go I started thinking about this when you were asking about how, how sales has never been able to match that level of human connection that we, you know, by using any kind of AI tools. So I want to be optimistic because of who you are and your name for this. So I want to try to think about that from that, that lens. You can that, go negative too if you well, want. Let me start with care. the negative. Let me start with what, what could happen if we don't think harder. So the negative is that we keep doing what we're doing with technology and it basically enable like the innovations enable us to be lazier. Like that's the that's maybe not the full word but it's like more convenience and more organization for the purposes of creating more chaos, right? So yeah. we actually just what we we want to do is like we make I mean think about something like uh, all these apps like Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever. Like, what are they doing? Like, what did like, they're they're solving a problem that enables us to get food in our face faster? When that's not a there's food. We live in the greatest. We, we can get food anywhere, and we can make it. And Alice yeah. Waters is celebrating the the 50th anniversary of of Chez Panisse, right? One of the greatest yeah. chefs that's changed food uh, in the U.S. for for the for the good, and you know it's it's like we they miss they they fast food and everything. They made this idea that food was somehow hard to accomplish exactly. when it's like the most fundamental thing that human beings have ever done, right? We like eat <laughs> or at like least should be able to do, right? We do I mean, that. Think, like that's you have to do it. It's like a human requirement, yeah. and yeah. then they innovated around making that seem like it was somehow too difficult, yeah. which is insane. <laughs> so, flash forward ten years, technology keeps making us create things that we thought we did as humans and we're like they're like oh you can't do that anymore yeah. you got to do it through technology so that you can have more time back so that yeah. you can do more other stuff that isn't actually human that's right right i was so talking about the, this the other the, day it's that's like the aldous solvable. huxley version what we, ahead, what we what we're doing now is we're creating solvable problems right so we know the solution that we're yes. just creating the problem for the solution so instead of actually yes. looking at the problems that we've got we're creating new problems and then we're solving them because we know the solution for those problems. So yes, do we really need another food delivery app? No, we don't, <laughs> but we have 10 of them on our phone, right? 
Yeah, it's the guy who breaks your window and then sends you the, you know, the the business card for the, you know, glass service, right? It's like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it, it 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 it's that's what we're doing. At, at most most of our innovations are kind of that way. Now, yeah. that's 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 way too dismissive especially for the work I I do every day, so I don't I would never say that about my own clients. But but we got to think deeper about human empathy and human connection and what are we actually trying to accomplish so yeah. the optimist view um I, i'm 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 clouded a lot where right now I'm, I'm reading um um uh shirley turkle's uh reclaiming conversation right mm -hmm. so um she talks about it took us a while with the car like we were just like cool like this thing's awesome yeah. and then we were like should we get seatbelts or like should we, do, should we do anything else like maybe you know and, they, and so safety took a long way and, and I'm actually working with a client that's fantastic that's solving a real safety problem uh, right now, which is that people on the side of the road um, get hit because people don't see them. Yeah. And so they've created both, um, they've, they've uh, created a, a physical uh, means through the, the, the flashing light that by increasing the hertz, you can actually see the, um, the, the light better. And, and so it's more conspicuous and therefore is going to reduce um, accidents on the side of the road. Um, nice. Yeah, it's awesome. And they also have digital communication so they can communicate that out through, um, you know, there's a lot of technology that's enabling communication between cars. So it's, it, this stuff already exists. We just have to deploy it. And that's, that's what they're working on. It's awesome. Isn't that, the, isn't that the case for everything? Everything exists. We just have to deploy it. Yes, <laughs> so, it's all there. Nobody, nobody can it, make any money off it. And that's why they don't deploy it, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they've found uh, a great way to, to, to monetize it as well. But they're going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna make a lot of money and they're going to save a lot of lives. So um, great, great company. It's called ESS. Um, Check it out. Um, the uh, the notion about solving problems. Okay, so most people, you know, they they like you say, they 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 they're a problem in search of a solution, or they're a solution in search of a problem, and they go they go out with this like in, innovation that they go then try to figure out how to how to back into what the challenge is. Um, I think with uh, I was I was riffing on auto, but like, and then I got it to ESS. So. Auto, you know, with, with, with cars, it took us a long time where we, until we figured out like, how do we actually do this in a way that's sustainable for lives, you know, yeah. and we, that's, we started to encourage people to drive safer, not drive drunk, all this stuff. And the same thing is happening. And again, this is from Turkle, that the same thing is happening right now with technology that we've only had the internet for 25 years, right? So we have now we've only had a mobile app since what 2010 9 or whatever right we've doesn't yeah yeah i mean the phone came on this in 2007 and then whatever so then like, shortly thereafter they they they, they opened up uh, apps to third-party developers yep. and it's like this is all very new we've only had social media at this scale for you know 10 plus years or whatever where you know um it's just it's all new so i don't think we know what we're doing at all as a human species we're just like oh my this is we're just all on drugs <laughs> I think and, you're right. I think I, I think that's sort of the root of all our problems is that we don't know what we're doing. We're just it's just like we just gave, you know, if you gave someone they've never had alcohol and you give them a drink. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Like it's yeah. the most amazing thing ever. Now, yeah. you do that too much, you will have problems and you will hurt yeah. people and you'll hurt yeah. yourself. So that's where we're at with tech. So what what I'm hopeful is that we will find a way to design better products and services that actually do the promise not of giving us time back the elusive time just so you can do more but actually give you meaningful experience back mm. 
So they're trying to get you to, to, to work to get you more with your family. They try to be less intrusive. Like we literally, we have push notifications. Yeah. We're saying we're pushing you. Like that, that should, pushing shouldn't be allowed. I don't let my kids push. Yeah. You know, we sh they yeah. should be maybe, what if all of the pushes were, were collected in a way that I could experience all of them in five minutes and mm -hmm. quickly look through and deal with all of the information? We've kind of done that with desktop. Like all these great tools like Asana and Slack and all that, they're, they're supposed to be organizing the, the frenetic world of the internet and of how we work. And I don't know if they're really doing it, but that's what they're trying to do. With mobile, we haven't done any of that. So mobile has an opportunity to think about how do we organize our mobile experience so that we're not just constantly and looking, you yeah. know, like yeah. my phone's been sitting here the whole time. And research says that if my phone is near me, I'm not going to be present with you as much because I'm thinking about other things going on, notifications, yeah. other stuff I have to do. Yeah. So really finding a way to, to, to almost turn the phone off and then come on for those moments where they, where it makes sense based on my schedule. They have my calendar. They can yeah. come in. They could, they could, they could, the AI could then tell me when I'm available to look at certain things. And yeah. then they could push me the breaking news that I need to know about because I want to know the news. They could push me the memory, you know, the, the memories from Facebook. They can push me the, the important uh, tweets that just came out that are somehow so important, you know, like this, they could do all that in a more efficient way, but they don't. Everyone's just allowed to go like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's not fair. And so I think yeah. I think technology that that allows us to actually be more human and present with people when we're talking to them, that that's our answer. Yeah. Well, see, my my what I think we should do is so there are these virtual assistants or these um, assistants out there like Alexa and Google, or whatever. But they all work for Google or or Amazon. What we need is a personal AI that works for yeah. us yeah. and sort of sits between us and all of these notifications and then takes the notifications and then just sort of filters through the important stuff when it knows we need to see it. And they can yeah. also take other functions like I would say, hey, Alexa, I need to buy a new couch. And they would go out and do all that work for me and then present me with like three options, which it knows I would like. So, I mean, I mean, I think that's where the future of sales is. You're going to be selling to these AIs, but nobody's done that yet, unfortunately, because I want to see that. And, know, and knowing when the human element needs to come in, because you want to sit in a couch and you also want to talk with people who have had similar couches. Exactly. Like, we, we don't know how to make decisions about anything. They've done research on this where, you know, the best way to make a decision is to embed yourself, not to experience what, they, what people always thought it was, is you got Stanford in the back. Okay, go to, you got into Stanford. Great. You think you might want to go to school there. Great. Go spend a random arbitrary day where they're going to treat you really well. And they're going to take you to the classes where like the best professor is lecturing on something. And then, oh, by the way, here's Sergey Brin or whatever. It's like none of that. Like, <laughs> that's not how your life is going to be. They just create a weird day. No. Yeah. What what you should do is go to someone like you who's been there, done that, spent a lot of time there, and then share your experience. What didn't go well? What was great? Exactly. Was, it's know, not all gravy. <laughs> well, just like you just can't capture it in a little like microcosm. There's no such thing. So with couches, you want to, you know, everything we do from buying, I mean, think about how you buy a car. It doesn't make any sense. Like, like that's still human. Like we go, we have to drive it, but there's this guy talking the whole time. Yeah, it won't shut up. Like, like that's not. I need, I need my kids in the back screaming, <laughs> fighting. You know, I need, my, I need like, I need that. That's like, that's the way you drive a car because that's yeah. how I drive a car, right? Yeah, you, you, need, you drive it for five minutes, then you got to sit at his desk for two hours while he tries to push more things on you. 
yeah, he's still talking to you. And then they got, you know, none of that's, that's like, not car experience. We should, I mean, I like companies that have allowed people to drive them for, you know, I, you know, you, you should let, it should be part of the deal that everyone gets to drive a car for two weeks, you know, and that, that should be, that should, you shouldn't be able to make a decision of that consequence unless you've had experience with it in like the real settings of which you will have it. I think we should do the same for, for job, for job postings. Say, it's like, forget, exactly about resumes, say, forget about interviews, just hire the guy for two weeks. At the end of those two weeks, if he sucks, then let him go. And Everyone we'll should just work those two weeks. Everyone should know that you're going to work for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Cooking actually does that. They, they do a stagiaire and then you, you, um, I worked in restaurants as well. Another, wow, I've, look at this. I've you're, done too much. You're a comedian, yeah. you're an entrepreneur, you're a restaurateur. Do everything poorly. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I worked in restaurants and they would, you could go, you can go into, you know, Danielle, you know, one of the best restaurants in the world or whatever. And you can go in there and say, Hey, I'd like to cook for you. And they'll let you cook for a day. And mainly you're watching, but you know, you'll start to, they'll, they'll have you do stuff and, and run around. And then, you know, they, it's, they may not have you then and they may have a spot for you, but that's how you, that's how people get jobs is by actually working for free. Man, that, that, we should do that everywhere. I think, that, totally. I think that's a great model for any kind of job because you don't know how someone's going to perform based on a sheet of paper and an interview. You got to get them in there. You got to get them doing the work. It's, 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 it's almost insanely bizarre that we think that a job interview has anything to do with like, <laughs> like exactly like my wife once said, she's like, you're really great at getting jobs. <laughs> Because you're you're a salesperson, like you can make them like you enough for 45 minutes. That doesn't mean they're going to want to like working with you six months from now. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this has been great, but I got to I got to wrap it up. So it, thank it's you so awesome. much. This has been fantastic. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah. So um, Kasva.co, it's K-A-S-V-A-A, crazy finish. Um, but they can email me, Stephen, uh, S-T-E-P-H-E-N at Kasva.co. Um, call me, whatever. Um, it's it's all out there on the internet. So yeah, I'll um, put the I'll put all the no, all the contact info yeah. in the show notes. So yeah, I'll send you some stuff directly. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks, I want to get you Have back it. on. We haven't talked about your comedy stuff at all. Maybe you could do like a yeah. Well, let's, a show. we'll get we'll do a show soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, right, sir. Man. Have See a good ya. one.